Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's the new rule, and it defines everything. You are not allowed to question Black Lives Matter in any way. Full stop. That rule has been enforced without mercy everywhere, and not just in this country. In Vancouver, a men's basketball coach was fired for liking a tweet that questioned Black Lives Matter. Meanwhile, a player on the LA Galaxy, that's the professional soccer team in Los Angeles, was fired because his wife said something critical online. Not him, he didn't do it, his wife. Doesn't matter, they canned the player anyway. Imagine being a high school student right now. High school students who refused to show affirmative support for Black Lives Matter on their Instagram accounts were shunned by their friends. Journalists who asked too many questions about the group were fired or silenced. Again, not an exaggeration. Tucker Carlson there making a point I was making a little bit earlier, more or less, and that is the idea that any group, any point of view like Black Lives Matter must become the official one and you dare not oppose them is incredibly dangerous. I mean, we all remember this that group in particular 
taking over microphones on stages and the rest of it. And a lot of their, their policy prescriptions are incredibly unwise and will never happen, by the way. Um, it was interesting to see a number of prominent NFL players went to uh, the commissioner and told him, we want you, we want this, we want this, we want that, and, and we want you to say those things. And he, he recited them word for word from the letter. Go ahead with clip number 32. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you. What kind of that weird connection is he on there? Uh, anyway, uh, so the the idea of dissent during these passionate days has become pretty dangerous. And I'm not saying Goodell should not have said that, but it's obviously the way the current is flowing, and the current is flowing really, really quickly uh, and with, with power. I mean, for instance, you're looking at this uh, Washington Post, uh, somebody or other poll, um, more than two in three Americans say the killing of George Floyd represents a broader problem within law enforcement compared to one in three who say the Minneapolis killing is an isolated incident. Um, 47% of Americans strongly disapprove of the way the president has responded to the protests, by the way. That's a high number for strongly disapprove. Uh, it's a significant shift when compared to the reactions in 2014 to police killings of unarmed black men in Ferguson, Missouri, and New York. I would say those two cases are wildly different from each other. Never mind George Floyd. Um, but that's that's a little... That's too much detail. You people are way too dumb to go into specifics of cases. It's all either got to be all right or all wrong. But anyway, the... Um, the, the, the current of opinion is running hot in one direction, and you dare not oppose it. Well, we're going to oppose it around here, at least to some extent. I'm more a Will Hurd guy. He has some great uh, common-sense police reform ideas. I think they're absolutely worthy of discussing, discussion. Uh, but then you get this, for instance. Brown University. Oh, man, that's right. I have uh, an email that went out to uh, parents of a major American public school district. And... Uh, and, and Public schools have changed so much since we were in school, since my kids were in school. My kids are now in their early to mid-20s. They have become indoctrination mills, especially in city school systems. And I'm telling you, I know private schools are expensive, uh, but find a private school, find a charter school, find a religious school, even if you don't believe it, tell your kids to go along for a while. Um, do, Do whatever it takes to get your kids out of big city public schools if you can. If you can do anything... Do it. You have no idea the extent to which they become indoctrination mills unless you look into it. And we'll share that with you. But universities are absolutely terrible. You know that. And this uh, uh, Glenn Lowry, who who works uh, Lowry for Brown University, uh, is reacting to an official letter from the president of the university. I'll just read you part of uh, Mr. Lowry's uh, screed. Last week, in the aftermath of the national fury that's erupted and continues over the apparent killing by a Minneapolis police officer of a black man, George Floyd, while he was being taken into custody, a letter appeared in my inbox from Christine H. Paxson, president of Brown University, where I teach. The letter, sent to thousands of student, staff, and faculty, was co-signed by many of Brown's senior administrators and deans. Quote, we write to you today as leaders of this university 
to express first deep sadness, but also anger regarding the racist incidents that continue to short cut short the lives of black people every day. It continues. The sadness comes from knowing that this is not a mere moment for our country. This is historical, lasting, and persistent. Structures of power, deep-rooted histories of oppression, as well as prejudice, outright bigotry, and hate directly and personally affect the lives of millions of people in this nation every minute and every hour. Black people continue to live in fear for themselves, their children, and their communities, at times in fear of the various systems and structures that are supposed to be in place to ensure safety and justice. Um, and, and there's a great deal more to it, but here's what Mr. Lowry writes. I found the letter deeply disturbing, disturbing and was moved to compose the following response, which I shared with colleagues. Dear Blankety Blank, I was disturbed by the letter from Brown Senior Administration. It was obviously the product of a committee. Professors XX and YY, or someone of similar sensibility, wrote a manifesto to which the president and senior administration leaders have dutifully affixed their names. I wondered why such a proclamation was necessary. Either it affirmed platitudes to which we can all subscribe, or more menacingly, it asserted controversial and arguable positions as though they were axiomatic certainties. It trafficked in the social justice warriors' pedantic language and sophomoric nostrums. It invoked race gratuitously and unreflectively at every turn. It often presumed what remains to be established. It often elided pertinent differences between the many instances cited. It read in part like a loyalty oath. It declares in every paragraph, we hold these truths to be self-evident. I like this point that if everybody agrees with it, there's no particular point in putting it out. And if a number of the points are not all agreed to, it reads like a loyalty oath. You better sign this or, or you'll be investigated. What truths are these that are self-evident? The main one, that racial domination and white supremacy define our national existence even now, a century and a half after the end of slavery. I deeply resented the letter. First of all, what makes an administrator, even a highly paid one with an exalted title, a leader of this university. We, the faculty, are the only leaders worthy of mention when it comes to the realm of ideas. Who cares what some paper-pushing apparatchik thinks? Oh, I love this guy. It's all a bit creepy and unsettling. Why must this university's senior administration declare on behalf of the institution as a whole and with one voice that they unanimously, without any subtle differences or emphasis or nuance, interpret contentious current events through a single lens? They write sentences such as this. We have been here before and, in fact, have never left. Really? This is nothing but propaganda. It is supposed to be self-evident that every death of a, quote, unarmed black man, unquote, at the hands of a white person tells the same story. That they speak of deep-rooted systems of oppression, legacies of hate. No elaboration required here? No specification of where Brown might stand within such a system? No nuance, no complexity. Is it obvious or that hate, as opposed to incompetence, or fear, or cruelty, or poor training, or lack of accountability, or a brutal police culture, or panic, or malfeasance, is what we observed in Minneapolis? Boy, that's good stuff. Is it obvious that it's hate and not any or all those other things is what we saw. We're called upon to effect change. Change from what to what exactly? Evidently, we're all now charged to promote the policy agenda of the progressive wing of American politics. Is this what a university is supposed to be doing? I must object. This is no reasoned ethical reflection. Rather, it is indoctrination, virtue signaling, and the transparent currying of favor with our charges, meaning our, our students. Um... 
The roster of Brown's leaders who signed this manifesto in lockstep remind me of Soviet Politburo making some party-line declaration. I can only assume that the point here is to forestall any student protest by declaring the university to be on the right side of history. He has in in capitalized uh, each word. Uh, Finally, what I found most alarming, though, is that no voice was given to what one might have thought would be a university's principal intellectual contribution to the national debate at this critical moment. Namely, to affirm the primacy of reason over violence in calibrating our reactions to the supposed oppression. Equally troubling were our president's promises to focus the university's instructional and resources, research resources on, quote, fighting for social justice around the world without any mention of the problematic and ambiguous character of these movements, which over the past two centuries or more have self-consciously defined themselves in just such terms from the French and Russian revolutions through the upheaval of the 1960s. My bottom line, I'm offended by the letter. It frightens, saddens and angers me. Sincerely, Glenn who is a professor of the social sciences in the Department of Economics at Brown University, a social science professor with these views, is about as popular as a loud uh, bit of flatulence in a crowded elevator. An aggressive scent. (laughs) That's right, (laughs) Michael. Thank you. Um, uh, And and I cannot wait to talk to him. Uh, He seems to be a, a thoroughly reasonable and intelligent man. And that is the problem. With a lot of the, we have a head of steam, let's go, let's go, let's go crowd. Because all that is right and good, or a lot of it, will be trampled in reaching their goals, many of which y'all don't share. A lot of you marching in the streets. If you nailed down what some of the so-called leaders of the movement were proposing, you'd hate it. But you're terrified to say it. Or you're, or you're swept up at the moment. It's kind of exciting to be part of a community and a movement. I know that. It, it is. But, man, you have to stop and think. For instance, we're talking about tearing police uh, departments down to the studs. Not like the Will Hurd, uh, Congressman Will Hurd reforms that we were talking about a little bit earlier. He's a black man from Texas, if you don't know him. Perfectly reasonable proposals for some good, solid uh, federal legislation. The cop who killed George Floyd in the street violated every tenet of his training in flaming, egregious, horrifying, inhumane violation of all of his training, according to every cop I know and every cop who's written in. You don't need to tear policing down to the studs or defund the police, which, again, is a crazy slogan and means different things to different people. You need to have a system of accountability that works. Period. I realize the cop unions do a lot of good stuff, but they've gotten too powerful. If the worst 10% of cops can't be fired, never mind the worst 20%, which a lot of cops say ought to be fired. If we can't fire the worst uh, 10%, it's gone too far. Lovers and supporters of peace officers ought to Agree. Now, when you're under constant attack from lunatic extremists, I realize it's it's tough to give any ground. You don't feel like it because you're under attack. But if you prize liberty, if you love liberty, the idea of any government employee getting to beat the hell out of you or kill you or put you in a cage without justification. Come on now, folks. Land of the free, right? Land of the free. You can't have some jackass bureaucrat denying you your freedom or life and then somebody making it impossible to fire them. 
I don't care if it's some guy working for the uh, you know the the U.S. Mint or policeman. The crappiest government employees have to be fired. On the other hand, a lot of the extreme stuff being shouted in the streets is just bunk. It not only should it not happen, it it won't happen anyway. Because Nancy Pelosi and the virtue signaling crowd, they'll make all sorts of noises about support, supporting it, but, man, they'll make sure it gets gutted in committee. So let's be realistic. Let's talk about good old-fashioned grown-up reforms that do make sense. Uh, because, you know, there are plenty of people, black, white, brown, yellow, in between, um, who've been treated unfairly by the justice system, uh, starting from the cops right through the courts. Uh, and, and we do need to reform that as a free people. We need to be smart about it. Um, but the extremists cannot win the day, or we will regret for every moment of our lives going forward that they did. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Keep the music going, Michael. There's a difference between keeping the beat and having a groove. The Stones groove, man. Mick sounds like it's 1968. I just, I don't get how your throat can hold up. I guess because they probably took long breaks. But anyway, uh, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Glad you're here. Jack is off for the day traveling with his fellas. Uh, nice story seeing uh, seeing Grandma and Grandpa. But he will be back tomorrow, uh, you know, God willing, if the creeks don't rise. A couple of quick headlines, uh, poll results out about uh, the marches and the violence and the rest of it. Really interesting stuff, and we'll get to that during the next segment. Uh, you may be surprised by some of the numbers. Um, they're, uh, the, the Army, the Pentagon, is seriously considering renaming a lot of our biggest uh, bases because they're named after Confederate generals. We have to be, the, we're an odd people. Uh, we have to be the only country on Earth that has a, a, a rebellion, essentially, and, and defeats it, then names bases after the people who are on the losing side. There's no, you know, Chiang Kai-shek, uh, base in Beijing, or, you know, you give a hundred examples, but um, there's no uh, Samosa, was he, uh, was he, uh, yeah, Cuba? There's no Samosa, you know, uh, Air Force base in, in, in Cuba. Uh, so anyway, we're looking at that, they're tired, they, the judge has stopped the taking down the Robert E. Lee statue, all sorts of Confederate monuments are, are being taken down or relocated, whatever. Another headline you may have heard, the, the WHO has said asymptomatic spreads. That's if you don't have any symptoms uh, of, of the Chinese bat fever. Very rare. Very rare. Wait a minute. That's the whole reason we shut down and just didn't quarantine the sick people, right? Uh, and listen, I, I understand this is a mysterious and weird disease and we're learning as we go, but uh, that's a little frustrating considering the terrible economic toll. Oh, man, do we have time for this? Here's this uh, this millionaire art collector put a... Uh, a one to two million dollar treasure hidden in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, here's the old man talking. I found a beautiful little treasure chest. I started filling it up with with wonderful things: jewelry, two gold nuggets weigh over a pound apiece, two hundred and and sixty five gold coins, double eagles and eagles, and just wonderful things. 
from my collection and I took it out and, and put it very secret in a very dear place. I walked back to my car smiling and I'll tell myself, yeah, yeah, it really felt good because I had done something that I had dreamed about for a long time. Then he wrote a poem with hints of how to find it and uh, thousands of people have I've spent uh, weeks and weeks looking for it. A couple, at least two, three, four people died while searching for it. Uh, but the old man still says he did something good. More on that to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. understand that the word dismantle or police free also makes some people nervous for instance what if in the middle of the night my home is broken into who do i call yes i mean i i hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors and i know and and myself too and i know that that comes from a place of privilege because for those of us for whom the system is working i think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality where calling the police may mean more harm is done. 911 privilege you're supposed to feel guilty for. My objection to a lot of the white privilege talk is that it's backwards. Black people ought to have the privilege to call 911 wherever they live to and not be worried about how it's going to go. Of course, there was a white lady who got gunned down in in, in Minneapolis when she called 911. Um, but it's just it's backward. The freedom of speech, assembly, religion, uh, freedom from uh, fear from uh, like lawless authorities. These are sacred rights. Everybody should have them. Don't don't tear down white people for having them. Let's encourage everybody to to work toward getting them. But anyway, um, I understand we have a late night joke off uh, coming up. Uh, I go into that with some trepidation, as uh, frequently the alleged jokes are often terrible, but that coming in a moment or two. Uh, WAPO out with a big uh, big old poll about the recent happenings. Uh, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? People are a little whipped up about uh, race and police brutality and the rest of it. Um, President Trump, tough marks for his handling of the protest. 61% saying they disapprove. And 47% uh, saying they strongly disapprove. 35% say they approve of the handling of the protests. Um, two, two out of three Americans, a little more, say the killing of George Floyd represents a broader problem within law enforcement uh, compared with one in three who, who don't. Um, I, I would be in the two and three. I, I, it's not quite the way they say it is, uh, but there are reforms that ought to happen. Now... They quickly gloss over uh, the Ferguson, Missouri, Michael Brown thing and and uh, Eric Garner in New York as if they were the same sort of thing, and they weren't. They were very, very different from each other. And they contrast the numbers back then with the numbers now. I don't, I don't think that's really relevant. It's, in fact, it's it's worse than irrelevant. It's misleading. But moving ahead, overall, seventy four percent of Americans say the support they they support the protests, cities and towns around the country. Seventy four percent. It's 87% of Democrats, 76% of independents, and among Republicans, it's a small majority, 53% also back to protests. 
But then you ask people, and this gets into you know what news you watch and and the sort of you know media you take in. Um, most uh, folks on the left say it was mostly peaceful with some violence, and a lot of people on the right said it was really violent. Uh, in addition to the peaceful, so it just it's just a question of of emphasis. But interestingly, seventy percent of liberals say it was mostly peaceful. Uh, most conservatives, about 60, 65% say they're largely violent. Independents are split almost exactly down the middle on whether they saw the protest as mostly violent or mostly peaceful, which is interesting. Um, let's see. Everybody agrees uh, the, the killing was unjustified. Um, boy, this is really... Even among those who say the protests were most mostly violent... Fifty-three percent still support the nationwide demonstrations. Um, let's see anything else. A few blame police or protesters for the violence, with most blaming other irresponsible actors. Good. That's the Armstrong and Getty point of view. How interesting. We've been saying forever. Look, we've got to separate the righteous protesters from the protesters who think violence will help. It's a pretty small group. And then the, uh, the, uh, the lunatic fringe and the anarchists and the jerks and the criminals. And in practically all of your media, they just said protesters then burnt and, and looted a liquor store. Actually, you probably want to loot it first, then burn it. That's just looting 101. Um, but but your, your terrible, terrible cable news networks mostly called everything protesters, whether it was you know arson, rape, and murder, or chanting. And we were, we were griping about that. Well, two-thirds of Americans get it. No, the, you had the protesters, then you had the, 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 the bad element. So good for you, America, seeing through the, the media crap. Uh, about half of Americans say the police have been handling the demonstrations by the mostly peaceful protesters about right. 44% say law enforcement personnel have used too much force. Almost nobody said too little force. Huh, that's interesting. Um, so, you know, as usual, there is much more agreement in this country than, than the media would have you believe. Uh, late night joke off coming up in seconds. Quick note from our friends at Simply Safe, the best overall home security system of 2020. No expensive and messy install. Some guy at your house for hours drilling holes to install a security system. This one you can install yourself and it's effortless. Trust me. You don't need to know which way to turn a screwdriver and you can do this. But it's the best home security. It's got the doorbell alerts and cameras or whatever you think is right for your home. Motion sensors and glass break sensors and just everything you need, but no outrageous monthly fees, no two-year contract, no messy install. It's simply safe. 24-7 professional monitoring starts at 50 cents a day. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's right, two months to decide. Money-back guarantee. Simply is spelled S-I-M-P-L-I, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, so they they know that you heard about it from us. Uh, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. It's a good idea. All right, Sean, so this late-night joke-off in which we pit three of the alleged comedians against each other to see whose joke is the best, and, of course, the bottom-grade getter. I will grade uh, all of the, the jokes. Bottom-dweller, uh, banned from comedy for life. Mm-hmm. How 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 are these jokes? How will I feel at the end of this? What? Well, I, I do not want to 
put my thumbs on the scale of the grades, right? I, I don't want to cloud your, your, your judgment going in, but I will simply ask you, does fortune favor the timid? No. No, fortune favors the bold. That's right, Joe. All right, well, you'll be held responsible, so let Wait, it roll. Late-night joke off. Yesterday, Senator Mitt Romney decided to march with protesters. Man, you know you're starting to reach white people when you get the whitest of all white people. We need a voice against racism. We need many voices against racism and against brutality. We need to stand up and say the Black Lives Matter. When Mitt was spotted walking with thousands of people, everyone just thought he was taking his family to lunch. Utah Senator Mitt Romney marched to support Black Lives Matter and to break in a new pair of penny loafers. It was a win-win. And you'll never believe this. Republicans are mad at him for it. Really? You're mad that he marched? I mean, this was a peaceful protest. Mitt Romney wasn't smashing windows and stealing boxes of khaki pants. He was marching in support of civil rights. Senator Mitt Romney marched in a Black Lives Matter protest in Washington yesterday, which means that for the first time in his life, Mitt Romney tasted pepper. More of a salt guy. Or alternatively, no seasoning at all. Well, our, our results are clear. <clears throat> was that two by Fallon at the beginning? That was breaking uh, format. Uh, well, no, he just had a clip, which was unusual, but it was just, it was the same topic. It was Mitt Romney. He just right. had a comment before right. and after. Yeah. Uh, Fallon's initial joke was a D, and his follow-up was a D+. Plus. It was terrible. It was inexcusable. It was barely recognizable as humor. Yeah. The kick in the gut. Right. <laughs> uh, Kimmel with a C+, plus, mildly amusing. Myers with a solid B. That made me uh, chuckle a couple of times, and I'm not... That's just much. fine. That's right, Mitt. Were it not for Myers, I doubt that would have made the cut to, to even... But I, that one brought a chuckle out of me as well, so I figured... Fallon, and this pains me, because he is a, a thoroughly decent human being, is banned from comedy oh, for life. He's got a family joke. Oh, kid, it's not time for screwing around. Our comedy is too important. So this uh, old guy, this old uh, art collector, who put a couple million bucks worth of stuff in a, a treasure chest and then then hid it in the uh, the Rocky Mountains, right? I, I, yeah, I didn't hear about the people who died searching. Yeah, for multiple them. people. I heard three. It's it, <laughs> two people definitely died while searching for this treasure, and one or two people died and they think they were searching for it. Uh, two were rescued near death. Wow. And many had run-ins with police as they violated property rights and, and the rest of it while searching for this uh, this buried treasure. I, don't, I actually don't know if it was buried or just kind of concealed, but this, uh, this crazy old coot, um, 89-year-old Forrest Fenn, which is a cool name, sounds like he's a character in a novel, uh, still thinks he did something good and fun. Wrote wrote a poem giving clues as to where the thing was uh, was was hidden. I haven't seen the poll. I haven't either. Let me see if I can track that down. Yeah, but uh, I I think it's um it's unintentionally bitterly g- g- darkly hilarious that he just went great. It made me feel good there's a little magic in the world. Sorry about those a half a dozen people who croaked <laughs> looking for the treasure. <clears throat> but that's uh, that's a heck of a deal. All right, so uh, what next? What next? Ah, cancel culture is uh, alive and well and even more powerful than uh, than ever. Great example of why the speaking my truth thing is so dangerous. Chicago had its most uh, murdery day in 60 years. And CNN's Chris Cuomo's Bear Heine 
clearly visible on the Internet. Shocking. Can the Republican door stay with us? Armstrong and Getty. What Democrats are proposing isn't some form of radical libertarianism where the cops leave and citizens police their own neighborhoods. No, it's the opposite of that. What they're proposing is a power grab. Defund the police is a move toward authoritarian social control cloaked in the language of identity politics. Already in the middle of a total breakdown of law and order, as we watch our cities burn, you are seeing new moves to prevent you from defending yourself and your family in the middle of it. We're going to be getting into, we've been talking about uh, police reform for, you know, on and off for uh, a big chunk of the show today. The Democrats have a reform bill they've, they've stewed up, um, makes uh, it easier to sue police officers for misconduct in civil court, prosecute them for criminal behavior, but also prohibit the use of chokeholds, which is a an incredibly imprecise and not very useful term um, for anything that goes, around, goes on around the neck. Um, including, you know, submission holds that actually pressure, I think it's the carotid artery, um, and, and make you too weak to resist. Um, obviously, um, what uh, we saw with George Floyd's death was, was utterly against all police training. I mean, it was murder, um, in my opinion. The, the jury will figure that out, I suppose. But um, And the idea that some incredibly dangerous, uh, murderous, uh, would-be cop killer... Uh, you can't subdue him with a submission hold like that because it's illegal. Uh, even in the most critical circumstances, that's ridiculous to me. Um, it, when when every cop I've ever talked to about this or corresponded with says, this guy completely ignored his training, all of it. He's way out of line doing what he did. Then the problem isn't the the what's allowed and what's not. The problem is is accountability. Like the uh, Eric Garner, the big guy who was selling uh, loose cigarettes there in New York and got uh, choked out and died. What that cop did was against his training. It has to do with accountability. So, you know, I support that stuff, but uh, it would uh, prohibit certain no-knock warrants by police nationwide, give the Justice Department Civil Rights Division subpoena power to investigate local police departments. Bill also mandates the use of body cameras, bans the transfer of certain military equipment to police departments, creates a national database disclosing the names of officers with a pattern of abuse and would eliminate the legal shield protecting police from lawsuits. That's your uh, conditional immunity. Uh, you know, there's some there's some decent stuff in there. There's, there's plenty of overreach and virtue signaling, too. Um, and we'll talk more about that. Also, the, uh, the very good and sober recommendations of uh, Will Hurd, the congressman from Texas, about, uh, about uh, police reform. Um. Chris Cuomo's naked ass is something we should probably get to. I'm sorry, folks. That was a, a bit of a, a hairpin turn. I, I understand that. Uh, coming up next hour, uh, if you get the, the next hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, and if you don't, 
Uh, grab it via podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. But uh, we'll be talking about critical race theory and how dangerous it is and how we can't let the extremists take the energy of the moment and and make things far, far worse. Because they're trying to as hard as they can, and they have everybody running scared. Uh, we're not scared around here, but everybody's aware you got to be careful. I think there are a lot of good, righteous things that can come from this moment. A lot of positive things. A lot of things that make America more American. There are also a lot of perverse and dangerous policies being thrown around that we must resist. Do you know who Chris Cuomo is? He's the, he's the brother of the governor of New York. He's on CNN. He's an anchor. He's obnoxious. He's tough to take. He's also super buff, apparently. I didn't know that about him, and I don't care. But evidently, his super buff wife posts yoga videos to YouTube, I think. I believe it was an Instagram live stream. There you have it. Thank you. Well, the CNN anchor was apparently walking around in his backyard bare-ass nude <laughs> while his hot wife is doing her yoga videos. Um, The younger brother is seemingly seen uh, strutting his stuff outside his home in Southampton where he had been broadcasting from his basement under quarantine. The 49-year-old superfit newsman, allegedly seen on natural, uh, captured from behind through the large windows of their home during an Instagram live yoga video, indeed, uh, shot by the attractive Christina. It was deleted quickly after it was filmed around May 27th, but not before some eagle-eyed followers grabbed a stark naked screenshot. <laughs> oh, my. Can you see my privates? Can you, can you? Can you see my privates? Can you, can you? Well, Jack, who is off for the day, luckily he kept his back turned to us, and we only got his well-shaped glutes. Um, Was he gardening? Just taking a stroll? Walking around naked. Got a big old uh, compound there in uh, the Hamptons. Apparently being a crappy, crappy cable news anchor pays pretty well. Doing the perennium sunning that's become oh, kind oh, of the, the oh, thing boy. lately. Oh. Kill me. A tip of the cap to your anatomical uh, knowledge and vocabulary there, Positive Sean, but not clear to me at all what was going on there. Um, but, you know, it reminds me, not one but two things that folks emailed to us uh, over the last 24 hours or so. Mail, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, uh, were uh, deleted. And I went to go to the link. I was really interested. It was good stuff, well recommended, and um, and, and it wasn't there anymore. So... And listen, you, you don't have to produce the show for us or anything, but if you sense something is really brave but controversial, or like crazy stupid and controversial, and are thinking, oh, the guy's got to see this. If you know how, do a screen grab of it to preserve it, because people take things down, and you know they say the Internet is forever, but if nobody captures it, then then it's not. Um, so a great example of the whole critical race theory, everything is race thing is so dangerous, coming up next hour. Looney Tunes is being reintroduced, I guess, a new version of the classic series on HBO Max. That's the new big streaming service. Yeah, yeah, the, the content wars is the, as people are, are, are fluffing up their libraries so people have a reason to subscribe. They, they grab some, some Looney Tunes. Right? Yes, but they have banned... Certain iconic aspects of the Looney Tunes experience, including Elmer Fudd, has no shotgun to hunt wabbits. They've disarmed him. How about the Second Amendment, HBO? 
What, is he going to beat him to death with his hands now? Or are the kids going to enjoy <laughs> that? that? seems worse. He's, he's, you know, he's going to go old a farmer, grab him by the head, and just twist till the next snaps. Is that the improvement? Or uh, are you going to kill a wabbit? They have him chasing him with a scythe in one of the clips that I what? saw released. Yeah, yeah, That's the big old Grim Reaper thing yes. at the end of the poll. He's going to lop off Bug's head, and that's an improvement? Of course, he, you know... He, He'd shoot people, and their head would just spin around. They'd be black and briefly. Armstrong and Getty. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.